On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk with graphic designer and pop art propagandist Angela McKendrick about her irresistible prints, plus a look at the seismic disruption that COVID-19 has caused to the comic book industry, including a touch base with Jeff Beck from Eastside Mags. Now, straight from my house, where else would I be? This is 1.21 Gigawatts! Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 50 for July 2020. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that are cool and noteworthy and deserve to be celebrated. Do both yourself and myself a favor and subscribe right now at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Player FM, or SoundCloud.com to guarantee that you never miss an episode. If you are a regular listener of 1.21 Gigawatts, you know that it has been a while since I've nerded out with you. I'm sorry, I've missed you. The last episode was released in February, and in early March, I was actively working on a landmark episode number 50, even as the United States was slowly getting on board with what most of the planet had already accepted. The COVID-19 pandemic was here, and it was no joke. And so I, probably like many of you, accepted the reality of the self-isolating world, started working from home, moaned about the lack of paper products and hand sanitizer, tightened the budget a bit as the overall household income shrank, started wearing a mask in public, washed my hands to the count of 20, and did my best to make sure that I and my family remained healthy. And we are. We're doing okay. As well as any other healthy citizens are right now. I know people who contracted COVID-19 and recovered, and it sounded horrible. And I know people who have lost loved ones to it, also horrible. So if you'll allow me this brief public service announcement, it sure would be great if everyone took this seriously, followed the scientific guidelines, and we got through this nightmare a bit more swiftly. Can we do that, please? In addition to the tragic health emergency the entire planet is facing, businesses both large and small are of course taking a serious hit. There are a few industries in particular that may find it difficult to recover once some degree of normalcy returns to life. One of those industries, near and dear to my heart, and if you're listening to this, probably your heart too, is comic book distribution and the local shops that sell comics and provide community for our nerd-skewing impulses. And so I'd like to revisit and time-capsulize the last four and a half months and how it led to the fall and rise and whatever the heck is happening now with comic book stores and the comic book distribution industry. I live in suburban New Jersey and commute into Manhattan for work, or at least I did until the week of March 9th. At the beginning of that week, with COVID-19 shifting from a concerning possibility to a life-threatening inevitability, employees at my company were beginning to exercise their option to work from home. Over the course of the week, the in-office numbers dropped as more and more coworkers started staying home. I was one of the holdouts and kept going in until Friday, March 13th. That's an ominous date. I should have seen those signs. In an office usually full of a few hundred people, I saw about 10 fellow employees that day and was eventually chased out early by my boss as if being told to abandon Echo Base by Princess Leia. The enemy was here, it was time to go, and we didn't want to miss the last transport ship off Hoth. 
but in greater New York area, social distancing had begun. Even though everyone was aware that a lot of people were contracting the virus, there was a certain weird entertaining novelty to social distancing in the beginning. You'd have a drink with friends over Zoom or Skype, you embraced some streaming TV series you'd been meaning to watch or joined the cult of the Tiger King. And for many of us, we braced ourselves for the weirdness of working at home for, what, maybe two or three weeks? Crazy, am I right? But for small retailers, including those aforementioned comic shops, the situation was already more dire. How would shops remain viable when the majority of the population was becoming too spooked to visit public spaces? On Thursday, March 19th, I visited Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey, to talk with Jeff Beck, the store's owner, about what the state government's developing social distancing orders meant for the comic book industry and his business in particular. Little did we know how dramatically different things would become less than two days after our first conversation. Let's listen to when Jeff and I were young, unjaded, and full of optimism. So now that we're living in the viral apocalypse, uh, businesses both large and small are taking a major punch. How has COVID-19 and its spread affected your business? Right now in this store, there's you, there's me, there's my son. Please tell me it's not like this all day. Uh, no, usually uh, you and your son are not here. <laughs> and it's just me. Um, COVID-19. Well, there's this awful rash that's been... No, I'm just kidding. There's no rash. Um, it's it's impactful. Uh, it is definitely a, a huge drop in walk-in. Um, if you walk around just a two-block radius of where my shop is, uh, there's a terrifying amount of temporary closed signs and business windows. Um but on the bright side, parking has never been better in Montclair. <laughs> if you complain about parking in Montclair, New Jersey, I have come on down because you have the pick of the litter when it comes to parking spots. Your the business you're trying to go to probably isn't open uh, <laughs> because laws and you know they just Murphy announced today that they're now he's as of 8 p.m. tonight uh, tattoo parlors, beauty salons, nail salons, barbers. Um, any of those, and I believe his quote, he was quoted as saying so-called personal care, which I thought was a little interesting. That's dubious. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll leave the so-called out. The personal care businesses that where, you know, to cut your hair, they have to, they're standing close to you, uh, and not keeping up that social distancing thing that they're talking about. So now they're being forced to close. Um, I guess as a retail store, I don't really qualify because we don't have to stand near you. We can <laughs> shout recommendations from across the floor. I don't know, uh, but I'm gonna be keep. I'm gonna keep unlocking these doors every day until either Murphy or military police block it and tell me that uh, if I don't stop, I'm gonna find myself in the bottom of a hole in an undescribed location in like the Southwest. <laughs> wow, that's intense. But I imagine that you've been in touch with various distribution channels such as Diamond uh, about what to expect. Um, wh what is, what's going on behind the scenes in the industry? What, what support are comic book shops receiving? Uh, well, 
companies like Funk, uh, let's see, who did, I got emails from Funko and Sideshow, uh, who basically just reached out and said that, you know, they're aware, uh, they're keeping up with the news where they can afford to send people home to work from home. They're doing that, but uh, distribution is still, you know, there shouldn't, shouldn't be delays, but there might be, so please be patient kind of thing. Stuff like Diamond, on the other hand, Diamond just has a bigger stake in the industry than a lot of the other companies do. Uh, more, more specifically and more recently with regards to Free Comic Book Day, which just recently got postponed till a yet-to-be-determined date late summer. So that's not great, but it's not terrible because they've also told us that since we had to place our orders for Free Comic Book Day books in January, I believe, I guess the orders went out, the books were printed, they're in the diamond warehouses, so now starting next week, I can see on my invoice, they're going to slowly start shipping me my Free Comic Book Day stuff, so I guess the negative is I have to store it instead of <laughs> diamond storing it, but they're not charging me for it now, and that the char the... The payment for the free comic book day books will come I, sometime in August. I think first week of August was what the email said. Yeah, so they're working with us to get us the books. They're working with us by not charging us and then charging us later for them. Um, you know, and at least it's happening. Yeah. And at least they have a they finally have a plan because for the last couple of weeks, I can tell you I'm on probably at least a half a dozen retailer pages on social media and like just the panic from everybody because that's our bread and butter. That's our best day of the year is free comic book day. So um, what are we doing? What's going on? It's May 2nd. Like, so are we going to be able to do this? You can't even gather with 49 of your friends. So, you know, what? So now we have an answer and at least a direction to go in. Whether or not that sticks, I guess we'll just have to see because the long-term goals are shot. It's it's all about short-term right now. Um, you know, the publishers are doing things or they're trying to come up with new ways to drive people into stores. They're keeping up uh, or inflating what they've already been doing. What do I mean by that? Boom has a great returnability program that they're maintaining and doing. And I believe Ross Ritchie said on his, in his post that they're even going to actually hedge back on the number of new titles that they ship just so it's not as overwhelming for us as retailers. Image came out probably about a week ago. What was it? Oh, yeah, because FOC... The last FOC that was, which is final order cutoff for anybody who doesn't know what FOC is, uh, was due on March 16th. They said March 16th through, I think sometime in May, any image book is going to be returnable. Hmm. So between anything between those dates, we can order away, no worries, because at some point they will issue us an affidavit that will allow us to get our money back for unsold copies, which is cool. Um, I know DC's working on some stuff. Marvel's working on, has some ideas. So it's really, it's a lot of just wait and see like yeah. everything else. So, yeah. man, 
tell me about the ways that uh, Eastside Mags and, and other comic shops in your network, because I know that you're constantly talking to, you know, your other buddies that have, have stores, yeah. um, how you're all serving a customer base that may not be as interested or able to browse around the store as they used to do. I know you're tap dancing as fast as you can right now. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, what's what's working and, and how are you getting books in people's hands when they're like, I don't even want to touch the handle of the store because I'm so scared about everything. Well, uh, I mean, we're offering, like a lot of other stores, curbside pickup. Uh, we're offering shipping services. Uh, you know, us, for me personally, uh, if it, if you, if your order is $50 or higher, we're doing free shipping for that. Um, we've had a fair amount of curbside pickup so far. We've kind of just rolled it out maybe about a week ago. Or over the weekend, I should say. So we haven't been offering it for that long. But I guess now that I'm actually sitting here thinking about it, which I totally should have done before you had a <laughs> microphone in front of me, uh, for the short amount of time that we've been offering curbside pickup, we've had a fair amount of people take advantage of that, yeah. which is great. And uh, for us, it's literally just, okay, call us when you're outside. And then they call us, I'm outside. And I look out the window, of the front window of the store, I see them and I like bolt looking both ways before I cross the street because <laughs> when there's a virus the last thing you want to die from is getting hit by a car yeah. um, that's terrible it's not uh, cool Yeah, and so I just run across the street hand it through the window uh, sometimes I remember to put on a rubber glove sometimes I don't but we're using hand sanitizer like it's going out of style so Hands are clean anyway, uh, with or without the glove, and that's it. <laughs> that's so great to hear. It sounds like, uh, as as insane as it sounds, that there are silver linings to all this, that everyone is coming together in a really beautiful way. And I know that that you've got even a lot going with the neighbors around here. Every time I look at your social media, there's yeah. another thing about like, all right, we're hooking up with this store, or these uh, this retailer next door, or restaurant, or whatever, and yeah. gift cards. We had, we had one of our customers come in the other day, and uh, she had wanted to buy $50 worth of $5 gift cards uh, to give out to service workers, people who were employed by grocery stores, stuff like that. And so she came in and we were chatting and she's she's awesome. She's very cool. And I'm like, oh, so, so okay, $5 increments, that's 10 gift cards. I was like, that's really cool that you're going to give them out. And she went, wait, no, I want you to give them out. And I was, oh me? Wow. And she was like, "Yeah, I'm sure people come in, and you know, maybe they don't pick up as much, or maybe they just look around, but they're not really sure what to get." She was like, "I want you to give them the people." So I went, "Oh, well, then in that case, I'll match your fifty bucks." So we came up with a hundred dollars worth of five dollar gift cards, and then uh, I posted about it. You know, we handed out a few, but then uh, I got a chance to leave a little early. So as I went to the when I went to the grocery store to pick up a half a pound of American cheese for my house, uh, the butcher was talking to the guy cutting the cheese was talking to. That's funny. Uh, You're welcome, America. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, he was talking to the other guy, and they were talking about a customer who had ordered like three hundred dollars worth of deli meats. And like they didn't sound happy about it, like they were getting commission off of it or whatever. So I went, oh, you know what? I should. I reached in my pocket, and when the guy handed me my order, I handed him back a gift card. And whoa, what's this? And I was like, oh. And the next thing I know, I'm walking around, and if I went to the fish guy with the lobsters in the in the tank, I didn't even get fish. I just handed him one. Was just like, hey man, you working today? Here, take this. Like, you know, and I'm explaining to people what's going on. There was a cop sitting in his car outside just hanging out. I handed him one. Uh 
And then I went around to some of the local businesses that were still open, the barbers and the toy store and stuff like that, and gave out a couple. I went to get pizza for lunch. I gave the pizza, the cashier and the guy who was heating up slices cards. Um, Because they're out here. They're CVS got like three employees got gift cards. And uh, but anyway, fast forward to that night, I'm home and I'm kind of just hanging out, relaxing from the day, trying to, you know, reset myself for tomorrow. And I got a Facebook message from a customer who said she wanted to give me $100 to do the $5 gift cards with. Another customer wanted to give me another 50 bucks. And then two more customers said, just based on the picture on, on Instagram that they saw, it looked like I had a lot of cards. But when I run out, please reach out to them so that they can replenish the stocks. I love it. Oh, I've been community. smiling this entire time. Yeah, community, it's, it's incredible. As you can guess, you were there, fellow citizen of Earth. You lived it. The story developed swiftly and not in a very encouraging way. Jeff Beck mentioned that he planned to keep the doors open until New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy ordered them closed. That happened two days after we spoke on March 21st. So this meant that Eastside Mags and comic book stores across New Jersey had to figure out how to get merchandise into the hands of customers without letting them in the doors and with mounting concerns over going out in public. A similar situation was being faced by stores in California, New York, and Illinois, the first states to adopt some variation of a stay-at-home order and or an order for all non-essential workers to stay home. For many comic book stores, this was a sobering moment because it eliminated all walk-in customers, traditionally a sizable chunk of comic shop patrons, and also meant amping up their mail order capabilities really quickly. Some stores opted also to offer curbside pickup because, public safety issue or not, comic book readers were still looking for the fun, the stability, the normalcy of new content, and new books were still coming out every Wednesday. Until they weren't. By the end of March, Diamond Distributors, the company that holds a virtual monopoly on the task of getting books from the publishers to your local comic shop, also announced that it was closing distribution centers. Diamond asked printers to not send new product to them as they were having problems getting what comics they already had to stores that were also having a hard time selling and therefore paying for the product. And that meant that the majority of the publishers creating comics had little choice but to go full stop on making new books. Suddenly, the entire comic book industry was basically at a standstill. April arrived, and week after week, no new monthly comics were hitting the shelves. Some publishers were still determining what exactly their longer-term plans would be. Would they release their product digitally? Well, that would hurt the network of comic book stores that keep the industry afloat normally. Would they go partially digital? Digital with redemption codes for physical copies of books once the printing presses started running again? And everyone was acutely aware that the clock was ticking. As these decisions were being made, some smaller publishers began announcing layoffs, while some comic shops announced that they had closed for good. Even as they were deciding how best to move forward, comic book publishers did their best to give comic shops a big boost. On April 7th, Marvel launched a Twitter hashtag, LoveComicShops, which linked back to a Marvel.com article detailing ways to support shops and included a constantly growing list of stores across the country and how you can contact and support them. Marquee creators like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld auctioned off original sketches and promptly donated the proceeds to struggling comic shops. 
Other creators and industry figures covered the costs of delinquent pull boxes that regular customers had abandoned or weren't financially able to pick up in a bid to help stores not get left hanging themselves financially. But in the spirit of any great comic book storyline, some major plot twists were about to drop, and things will never be the same again. Maybe for real, if we're telling the truth. At the end of April, after much drama in determining an alternate solution for shipping new comics product, DC Comics started putting new books back in stores. How? DC worked out a deal with two new distributors who moved into the vacuum left by Diamond's shutdown. Lunar Distribution and UCS Comic Distributors. The initial reaction was mixed, as retailers bemoaned having to quickly learn new ordering systems, having to do so in an abbreviated amount of time, and felt the pressure to stock significant amounts of DC titles when mail order and curbside pickup were their only limited opportunities for engaging with customers and the dwindling amount of money said customers may have to spend. Diamond distributors also started to turn the lights on again and resume shipping for books beginning May 20th, which means that new product from Marvel, DC, Image, IDW, Dark Horse, and more was once again available, although many publishers, some of them weathering furloughs and layoffs of their own, returned to publishing, offering an abbreviated number of books overall. And just when you thought we might be reaching the end of this roller coaster, the industry was hit with another one-two punch of good news and bad news? Crazy news? Certainly unexpected news. Let's start with the crazy. On June 5th, DC Comics announced that it intended to stick with its new distributors, Lunar Distribution and UCS Comic Distributors, and sever entirely its 25-year relationship with Diamond. It was a major shock to the industry, particularly to Diamond, who must now move forward without the business of the second largest publisher in the game and ending its virtual monopoly in the business. As before, many retailers were not so thrilled, particularly after some detective work uncovered that UCS comic distributors was being operated by Midtown Comics, a multi-store retail behemoth in New York City. So that would mean that your local comic shop would be buying its DC Comics product from one of their biggest national competitors. But I also mentioned there was good news, and that is that in many regions of the United States, the greater New York area among them, non-essential businesses can once again open their doors, for now at least. Social distancing rules are still in effect, masks are mandatory, there are lots of plastic barriers, limits on customers in the store at once, and lots of hand sanitizer. So, it isn't quite business as usual yet for comic shops. But it is increased business, and it's the opportunity for customers who feel fiercely protective and loyal to their shops to help support stores in person and in ways that feel somewhat normal. Whatever that word even means anymore. It won't be enough to save some stores, which have already had to close in the wake of our national shutdown, but it may be the super-powered shot in the arm that keeps your local comic shop afloat and begins the road to retail recovery. This hasn't been a fun journey for anyone. 
That's the cost of keeping people alive during a pandemic. But the silver lining to all of this industry disruption is the amount of ingenuity exhibited by comic shops who were unable to open their doors for months and didn't have weekly releases to propel sales figures. Shops were, and still are, reaching out with frequent social media posts promoting what they do have in stock, putting notable back issues up on eBay in promoted posts, hosting online Zoom chats with creators and superfans, and so much more. And as for our buddy Jeff Beck at Eastside Mags, we checked in with him on July 18th to see how he was doing and what the new world order looked like for his shop. We're not through this yet, but as we stand here outside Eastside Mags, hence all the street noise, um, were there one or two things that, that helped keep the lights on, get you through this? Because unfortunately, not every comic shop made it. Not everyone's still around. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's the, that's the hard truth. Uh, I would say that the top two things uh, that probably kept us alive during the shutdown was our, uh, our, our regular customer base. Uh, there was at least a dozen or more people who really, really just showed up uh, metaphorically during the shutdown. Uh, there were a bunch of people who would call every week and just either know what they wanted to order or just go, all right, Jeff, uh, it's another week. I've got $75 to spend. Why don't you just pick some stuff for me? Um, which was great. And then I think the other thing that kept us alive was, you know, the downside of being closed was not having customers come in. But the upside to that was it allowed me to fo spend a little time to focus on marketing and social media and how we can manipulate uh Facebook videos or Instagram videos to kind of appeal to people, which really, you know, sparked a bunch of really great ideas like our kids comic packs that yeah. we started off as a donation thing. And then I went, oh, I've got so many of them <laughs> that uh, we'll sell them too. And, uh, you know, it'll be fine. So, you know, um, I think between those two things, uh, I think that's what kept us alive. And, uh, you know, we were just really lucky. So who knows what's next? We're still in a pandemic, which means you might have some extra time on your hands and you know there's some comic book or collection that you've always wanted to read, but you've never had the time to check it out. Go buy a comic book and support your favorite nerdy small business. As the hashtag says, love comic shops. Another significant sector of people who are affected by social distancing are the artists and comic book creators you'd normally find in an artist's alley at comic conventions large and small. When not creating your favorite books, these talented folks travel the nation not only to commune with fans, but to sell prints, create art on commission, and generally supplement the day job by sharing their passions directly with the fans. Cut to 2020 and... That ain't happening. Conventions large and small have been canceled since March, and that means that a lot of incredible artists have been left without their traditional means of sharing and selling their wares. One of those artists is Angela McKendrick, who specializes in propaganda-style prints, mashups of characters and styles, and frankly, just general graphic art awesomeness. If there's a geek culture character that you love, chances are Angela has brought it to life in one of her colorful masterpieces. I talked with Angela at the 2018 Garden State Comic Fest in Morristown, New Jersey. Please pardon the general convention noise you'll hear during our conversation. I hope you'll find it to be an enjoyable reminder of the days when we humans were able to gather in large numbers. It was a simpler time. 
I'm surrounded by the work of artist Angela McKendrick, who specializes in posters that combine pop art with propaganda, style messaging, and big, bold, colorful iconography. Angela, I feel like I'm just going to be standing here basically saying, that's awesome, that's totally cool, that one's awesome. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I understand that you did not start in uh, comic books or pop art, unlike a lot of the other people exhibiting here today. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you found your way into this nerdtastic world of ours. I started as a graphic designer 25 years ago. Um, a friend of mine got me interested in comic books through the Battlestar Galactica comic books. Really? And I used to ride my bike down to the local comic book store and buy um, used Battlestar Galactica comics. And that got me into the X-Men, John Byrne, Romita Jr. comics. And I was hooked after that. So, so this is like Battlestar Galactica from like Marvel Battlestar yeah. Galactica from this. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's the amazing. Twenty, the twenty-five cent yeah, ones. Yeah. I used to get them because they were used. Yeah. I could get a whole bunch for three dollars, which was my allowance back then. That's the way to do it. <laughs> that's the way to do it right there. Um, I love the style of your work. I really do. Um, not that you exclusively create propaganda style uh, work, but I've always been a big fan of the propaganda style, and I'd I'd love to know what appeals to it. What about it appeals to you? How did you find yourself in in this? Um, I, when growing up, my dad is a big history buff, mm. so he had a whole bunch of propaganda posters at our house, and then my mom was a Star Trek fan, so I just kind of combined the two, and then I did marketing for 20-some years, and that's what I trained as and what I did, and just yeah. combined everything from my life, and you get this. <laughs> I think I kind of want to grow up in your household. I think that's uh, the, the combo of Star Trek and like history buffs, especially with this much stuff. So so I notice as I look around, especially with a lot of the propaganda stuff, um, a lot of the, the figures in your works don't have eyes or other features. Tell me about that choice, Angela. Um, I hate to draw eyes. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, I don't like the way I draw eyes, so I just decided I would leave them out. So, <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Well, the the beautiful thing is that it's such a bold, clear choice and consistent that it's like that's always what I intended. Yeah. Of course, it's not that I don't like to draw eyes at yeah, all. I meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so clearly, you like playing with a variety of of pop culture properties. Do do you have favorites? Oh yeah, Star Wars. Absolutely, yeah. Chewbacca. Chewbacca is my favorite uh, character. So, Star Wars is my main geekdom. Right on. Me too. The, the X-Men from the 80s, because that's, that's sure. what I started reading. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. There are uh, also a lot of, uh, you do a lot of character mashup style combinations. I, I'm not sure if I've seen them here necessarily. I, I did see some online. Um, I've got to say that I uh, was digging the uh, Star Wars My Little Pony is is pretty good. Um, and the Toucan Sam Indiana Jones is, is inspired. Um, how these combinations, why these combinations? Um, just my sense of humor. Yeah. Just, again, taking things I like, and I like cereal. <laughs> I, I love it. I like cereal. Sure. Uh, let's talk about, uh, and I know I saw your Deadpool Spider-Man, there it is, support a quality piece up there, um, where Deadpool is giving uh, Spidey a big old smooch. Uh, this is one of the few pieces that I see here that addresses a real-world cause, as opposed to join Hydra today, which, of course, I also really love, but you get the idea. Um, I'm guessing that that's an important topic for you, uh, and, I, and I don't mean just the Spider-Man uh, Deadpool bromance um, that the topic. So, so tell me about how that piece came about, and um, 
is that a more recent one? Is that correct? Um, within the last year, okay. yeah. Uh, well, as a member of the LGBT community, it's especially nowadays, it's important to stand up for our rights yeah. and just something, I want to do something that made me feel good. Sure. So, you know, and welcome people from the community and let them know that this is a safe space. They can come here, just be themselves and no judgment and just, you know, it's personal to me. Amen, sister. I agree 100%. That was great. And it's such a fun, whimsical way to do it also. Like, it's nothing heavy. You're right. It's very inviting and, and a lot of fun and an important message. Um, and I agree 100%. And if you can't see it in person here at the Garden State Comic Fest, I encourage everyone to find Angela's work online and decide which one you need to hang on your wall, because one of these is for you, for sure. Um, where's the best place for people to find you online? Instagram. I'm Cuddles with Cats Art. All one word. Uh, I gotta say, I've I've agreed and loved every single thing that you've said so far. We've hit all that. We've hit the cats. We've hit Star Wars. We've hit the propaganda pieces. So that's uh, very possible. I'm just gonna hang out here all day with you. If that's okay. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great show. Appreciate it. Bye bye. After listening to that interview, if you're now prepared to pick up your own Hydra recruitment poster, a Dia de los Muertos t-shirt featuring the xenomorph from Alien, or more than a few perfect mwah, Deadpool images, reach out to Angela now. You can do so online by searching for Cuddles with Cats Art on Instagram and Cuddles with Cats Studios on Facebook. Start there and adorn yourself appropriately. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guests Angela McKendrick and Jeff Beck. Special thanks also to Dave O'Hare, Sal Zerzolo, and Eric Palomo at the Garden State Comic Fest. Oh guys, you know I'm thinking about you all the time during this. Comic conventions will rise again. And thanks of course to you, dear listener, for inviting me into your podcast feed to nerd out. It means more to me than you know, now more than ever. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like and what deserves to be roasted on a spit for an Ewok celebration feast? Yeah, nub! You can tell me by leaving me a message at one of the show's social media channels. They are the 1.21 Gigawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Gigawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Gigawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds at the 1.21 Gigawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Check out 121Gigawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. Hey, did you know that every episode of this podcast is available for free at Apple Podcasts? It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. And while you're visiting Apple Podcasts, you can help us out. Whether you're a subscriber or not, please rate and review the show, especially if you have something nice to say, because that will help more like-minded listeners find the show. That's how the internet works. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud.com, or on Player FM. It's highly probable that you're listening to my voice right now thanks to one of those platforms. Browse the other episodes listed there and check out another one. I'll even make a recommendation. If you enjoyed this episode's focus on small retailers and our interview with Angela McKendrick, 
I encourage you to check out episode number 37 when I spoke with the team from startup publisher Dummy Comics. They're a fierce team also doing what they can to get their books out there now with no conventions to attend and limited opportunities to meet the public at stores, but that's not slowing them down. Hear more with episode number 37 of 1.21 Gigawatts. Give it a listen as soon as you finish this one. Huge gratitude to my co-producer, composer, sound designer, and a man who isn't letting some pesky plague slow him down. It's David Sisko. He's got podcasts and music to make, and he's happy to do so from the pandemic epicenter in Midtown Manhattan. You are and remain the best, Cisco. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all of those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago, and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome rocking out with the 1.21 Geekawatts theme song. Thanks, guys. Wear your masks, be safe, take care of your fellow geeks. Bye-bye. 1.21 gigawatts, what every geek wants is what we got. From Doctor Who to Aqualad, you might meet Luke and Leia's dad. Pop culture that is super rad, hosted by some guy named Brad. He'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks. 1.21 freaking gigawatts. I address you tonight not as the president of the United States, not as the leader of a country, but as a citizen of humanity. We are faced with the very gravest of challenges. The Bible calls this day Armageddon, the end of all things. And yet, for the first time, In the history of the planet, a species has the technology to prevent its own extinction.